here's a message from Ken Lavica. Even for the pettiest of sports fans like me, how can you not love the Golden State Warriors? Stone Lebanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Programs. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVeca Live on ESPN 106.3. That was predictable. The Celtics, white flag, listless, never showed up. You could tell after game five that's what was going to happen. The Warriors are world champions, and there's not even a debate to be had. What we love to do in sports talk radio after a team wins another championship in a certain amount of time, we like to throw out the D word, dynasty. Is this a dynasty? Have the Warriors accomplished a dynasty? It's been there, done that. This has been a dynasty. The Warriors are a dynasty. That's not the question. I can't remember another team who has seen so much success that has maintained their likability like the Warriors have. like This this stuff is rare, what the Warriors have. And in a uh, a, a, an era where everything is pessimistic, not only in our sports, but also in our world, in our social settings, with social media, which has tarnished everything, somehow the Warriors come out and they're like a big basketball teddy bear. You just want to cuddle them. You want to sit there, lay there, and, and, and pet them. Not heavy pet but just pet them. Like The Warriors come off as a group of likable guys that you're glad hoisted the trophy last night. Ken Levick alive on a Friday, end of your work week, mercifully here on ESPN 106.3, free ESPN app and on your smart speaker. And in John Levine, Accident Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Towers, right off of the increasingly uncomfortable and heavy-aired Intracoastal. Stone Lebanowitz, Friday Night Lights, my partner. He runs this catastrophe until 2 o'clock. Friday finale, Jay Mart will join us at 1 o'clock, and we have some, uh, some good stuff for you along the way, but last night it seemed inevitable the Warriors were going to win this and it was over I think after I don't know 16-17 minutes once you got through the midway point of the second quarter once the Warriors went on that 21-0 run it was curtains from there and the Celtics had a little bit of fight left in them but Jason Tatum was a non-factor Marcus Smart it Marcus Smart spent the entire series looking like uh, one of those those salmon in the Pacific Northwest that are trying to swim up creek and you're watching a nature documentary and they soar out of the water and they flop and flop and flop and flop and, flop, flop, and then they just hit the water in a very awkward fashion. That was Marcus Smart just throwing himself all over the floor, not just last night, but in the entire series. He brought great shame to the Defensive Player of the Year award that should have gone to Bam Adebayo. Here's to Marcus mm. Smart never being considered for Defensive Player of the Year again. It was a great story that a perimeter player got it, but now we can realize that that was just a novelty. And once things got serious and he had the same problems throughout the playoffs, he wasn't the same dude that he was in the regular season. But the Warriors win the title. Steph Curry is the MVP. And can we stop with the discussions about, well, Andrew Wiggins should have won it. Andrew Wiggins should have won it. He was a good story. He was a nice story. And it's nice it to see nice. him contribute. But Steph Curry was the dude Absolutely. in this series. A very deserving finals MVP. When you look, and right now Stone and I have Sports Center on, and Steph is there. This is from last night on the parquet floor at TD Garden, and he's doing a post game interview, and he's got the ball tucked onto his hip, and he's got his championship hat, and he looks so wholesome, and everything he says is so wholesome. In fact, after the game last night, meeting with the media, uh, Steph was talking about those final moments, the final seven seconds or so, where he had to sit on the floor. He was overcome with emotion as the time ticked down and the Warriors were about to win their fourth title in eight years. And here's how Steph, uh, Steph Curry described what was going through his head. These last three years, these last 48 hours, every bit of it has been an emotional roller coaster on and off the floor. And you're carrying all of that 
on a daily basis to try to realize a dream and a goal like we did tonight. And uh, you get goosebumps just thinking about, you know, all those snapshots and episodes that we went through to get back here individually, collectively. And uh, that's why I say I think this championship hits different. And that's why I have so many, so many emotions and still will just because of what it took to get back here. It takes very little for me to develop a grudge against something or someone. <laughs> you and I have known each other long enough and definitely worked together long enough for you to know. It doesn't take much. It right? does not like, take anything at all. All you have to do is plant that seed, <laughs> and I can go. For sure. I can go. It's no problem. Um, but it's so manufactured when I try to do it with the Warriors. I cannot find in the depths of my sports soul enough of of that that one singular seed to come up with a vitriolic I can't stand these guys. I can't even make it up. And I'm okay making stuff up. I can act. I can do that whole thing. But with the Warriors, it is so hard for me to find one singular thing and 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 use that as a I can't stand these guys, which is so rare because I grew up in Chicago in MJ Bulls uh three-peat, six championships prime. And so here are my recollections of that. And again, I'm on the inside. I wasn't on the outside. But me, insulated, I just felt, oh, man, this is MJ. Of course everybody loves Michael Jordan. Now, the thing is, uh, there was hatred for those Bulls teams in New York because, well, Knicks fans had their heart ripped out over and over again. <laughs> Eat it. Um, uh, there, there was hatred for them uh, in Salt Lake City, in L.A., in Phoenix. But overall, MJ was uh, an attraction. So even if you hated him, the Bulls were the biggest road show going. But it is so difficult to have a team that wins title after title after title after title not eventually just get hated. The Warriors with KD were easy to dislike yes. because KD is easy to dislike. All he has to do is log on to Twitter and you dislike him. Yeah, a KD plus Draymond Green combination is very easy to hate. Um, those Bulls teams with MJ, was there hatred for them? Yes. Was there respect for them, though? Yeah. And I think that they were so quirky with Dennis Rodman. And people loved Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. Anybody would play, pay any price to see him. While there was hatred, there was also, I got to see these dudes. I got to see these guys. This is the best we've ever seen. But I know that the Yankees hate him. Dynasty, early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, hate him. Hate him. Annoying. Derek Jeter, annoying. Mariano Rivera, Annoying. Bernie Williams, annoying. Go down the line, can't stand him. Hatred there. And I think that's, would you pay to see him? Sure. But was there, I guess there was the respect there. Not like the Bulls respect, but they're also uh, in baseball circles. It's like enough already. Because that's also when they're outspending everybody. Yeah. So you felt like, what can we do about it? Like, this sucks. It's so unbalanced. But I also have an equal amount of dislike for the Red Sox dynasty. So it went from, oh, I can't wait for the Red Sox to knock it off. Then they did. Then they won four championships. And now I can't stand the Red Sox, too. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Like This is how my mind works. I don't like teams that win all the time. Even going to a macro level with the NHL right now. I don't want to see the Lightning win another one. Knock them off. Just because. Knock them off. I don't like dynasties. I like parity. I like when teams are consistently good because it's fun to knock them off. It's fun to watch them lose. Okay? So... Again, this is me being a fan, though, of a dynasty back in the 90s with the Bulls, but that's a totally different spectrum of popularity and and transcendence when it comes to sports. As a Heat fan, how did you feel about San Antonio when they were rolling to their prime, winning four of them? So, and that's the thing. I think that the closest thing that we have seen to a likable dynasty like the Warriors have, because I don't know if you would classify the Big Three Heat as a dynasty, but they were a spectacle. I think you could. The nation hated the Heat. Oh, yeah. Hated the Heat. So not a dynasty, but a spectacle that can be in this conversation. Hated the Heat. But those Spurs teams, that was a dynasty. Yeah. And they were likable. Tim Duncan, David Robinson in the early part. Uh, Manu. Manu Ginobili. Tony Tony Parker, Parker, very likable unless you're married to him. 
Like uh, <laughs> it's so so. See, I just see how your head works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Pop, I mean, if it, I was a woman married to Tony Parker, I probably wouldn't like what he's eventually going to inevitably do to you. Okay. <laughs> and there's not a single soul in the world who doesn't like Greg Popovich. Right. Right. Exactly. So. I look at this Warriors team, and keeping in mind that for me it's very easy to find something to criticize, to jab at, to say, bleep them. I don't want any part of these guys. I want to see them lose. I am legitimately happy for the Warriors because they're so likable. They're so likable. This current iteration of them is so likable. Even Draymond, and here's the thing about Draymond. Does he muck up a game? Absolutely. Is he a pain in the ass? Sure. Is he cheap? For sure. Is he tough? Yeah. Would you want him on your team? Uh, mm-hmm. And then what he does after he if he he, he kicks you in the in the balls and he gets in your face and he knocks you to the floor, uh, what does he do? He jumps on his podcast and creates extremely compelling content. Bingo. There's nobody like him in sports. At all. Nobody. So even he is likable to an extent. Did you catch his behind-the-back pass last night that yeah. went out of bounds? Yeah, yeah I know. Just made my night. I know. He was uh, he was feeling it last <laughs> night. He was feeling it. But, I, but, I wanted to grab that audio on the broadcast when he took he made one three, mm-hmm. and he shot the second one. Who was calling the game? Mike Breen. Mike Breen says, oh, he's feeling it. And his partner was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> feeling it's not it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't say feeling Definitely it. Definitely not feeling it. <laughs> um, but but the, the Warriors are really likable. They're really, really likable. I'd be fascinated to hear, if you don't like the Warriors, and I'm not talking about the KD Warriors. I'm talking about these Warriors. It is so rare that a team, their core, their core, this dynasty, KD was not part of the core. He came in, he won a couple of titles, but he wasn't the core. The core is Steph, the core is Clay. the core is Draymond, the core is Steve Kerr. This core, it is hard to find Another championship team so likable, and especially if you're talking dynasties, I just don't think it exists. Like going back to my Chicago roots, the Blackhawks, they had a dynasty, Stanley Cup. They had three and six years. But were some of the guys likable? Sure. But there was that Patrick Kane black cloud yep. hanging over everything. The rape allegation, the sexual assault allegation, that's all you thought of when Patrick Kane saw success in his drunkenly celebrating championships at a rally at Soldier Field you think to yourself, wait a minute, two and a half years ago, he was accused of raping somebody in a hotel room. Like, I can't, I can't work with that, right? Yeah, I think with the Warriors, they even get the benefit of the doubt. Like Steph Curry, Charles Barkley said it last night, is he the greatest little guy of all time? Like, yeah. What has that you ever could, been said before? You could maybe not fully appreciate Steph Curry's game. And by the way, if you don't appreciate his game, uh, go back to Jurassic Park Dinosaur. Okay, it's time for you to come around. If you watch basketball and, and you can't appreciate Steph Curry or don't think he's a top 10 player, if you're the greatest at something that you, that, that you do, if you're the greatest at one singular thing in any sport, you're automatically one of the greatest to play that sport. I don't care if it's throwing touchdown passes. I don't care if it's hitting home runs. I don't care if it's racking up RBIs. I don't care if it's kicking field goals. And I certainly don't care if it's hitting threes, which is the vital part of basketball now in 2022. If you're the best at something, you're a Hall of Famer. You're one of the greatest of all time. Steph Curry, first ballot Pro Basketball Hall of Famer. It's not even a question now. And now he finally has, even though it was a ludicrous criticism, finally has his finals MVP. I wanted, I mentally tapped out when the Warriors went in transition. I believe it was the third quarter. And Draymond was dribbling up as soon as he got in half court. He set a screen for Steph and tossed the ball behind him. It was when he screened Marcus Smart three mm-hmm. times. Yeah. And Steph just ran around. How good is that stuff? I mean, it is. It, it, I've never seen it before. I mean, none of us have ever seen it before. But the way he did it, it's like, you know what? Marcus Smart, that's the defensive player of the year. And he had no shot. No. no shot in getting a hand near you. And it was nothing but net, and they jogged back to the other side. So they're playing just a different game of basketball all because of the guy. And it's not like the Draymond Green full bo- uh, fullback block that we saw earlier in the yeah, series where he's just mowing. No, it wasn't. Draymond Green was standing there. He was on a pivot foot. He set three screens on a pivot foot. He set three screens on a pivot because foot. Because Steph is so established off the ball. He's so active. And the DPOY, Mr. Lay on the floor for, for 30 minutes a game, couldn't keep up. And you checked out mentally. 
Celtics checked out mentally. Jason Tatum checked out mentally. Marcus Smart checked out mentally. We'll talk about the Celtics in a second because it's not set in stone that this is going to be a team that's going to be in the finals for the next five years or or even two of the next three years because they have some significant holes, not from a talent standpoint, but from a toughness standpoint, from a mental standpoint. And I believe now more than ever that if the Heat stayed healthy, they would have gotten through the Celtics and it may not have even taken seven. The Heat started to expose the Celtics. The Warriors finished the job. But the Warriors are so damn likable. I mean, how their best player, their best player is the executive producer of a TV show about mini golf. Oh, my God. I mean, how can you not love that? How can you not hold that close to your sports heart? Who doesn't like mini golf? Satan. I mean, and all the kids relate to him, too. I think a lot of the times, like with Giannis, like being like like an immigrant, like it's he's got a Disney movie coming out. Like Steph can do that stuff. Like so he's got the kids. Yeah. He's got all the historians because I mean, he's changing the game. The it's way like, the world works and how everything goes from great to suck in the snap of a finger, I'm sure at some point we'll learn that Steph's like a Russian spy or something. But until then, like does he have a flaw? Like I don't I don't think it a lot of people wanted to crap on him when the Warriors were going through their 15-win season, when Clay was hurt, when he was hurt, when Draymond was hurt, when James Wiseman was playing 30 minutes a game. Not good. Uh, y- y- you didn't know if the Warriors were ever going to get back to the heights that they had, and we were ready to count out Steph Curry. Steph Curry mocking last night a segment on ESPN from a year and a half ago where Kendrick Perkins uh, and Dominique Foxworth are holding up a big zero around their eye to the question, how many titles will Steph Curry win in the next four years? We were ready to bury the man because we try to do that to to, to people that are likable, but they're too likable. They have no flaws. They've already seen their success. Time to knock them down a peg. Well, Steph's back. What's not to like about him now? He's the nice guy who was successful. We chopped out his knees. Oh, we feel good about ourselves. But wait a minute. He resurrected. He's here again. What's not to like about him? He checks off all the boxes now. The toughness, the patience, the ability, the greatness, the rings, and now the finals MVP. What more can you criticize him for? They're the first team in NBA history to go from first I mean, from worst to championship in a three-season span. Mm -hmm. It's never happened before. Now, they're unique because the core was still there. The core was still there. That wasn't going anywhere. But were you going to get a Clay Thompson who's effective? Was he going to be able to come back from the back-to-back Achilles? Uh, What was this team going to be with the supporting cast once they got rolling again? That was always the question. Were they going to become a playoff team again, competitive again? Yeah, for sure. But were they going to be championship caliber again? And that process expedited significantly more than I think anybody truly thought was going to be the case. But the Warriors, they are just likable. They're just likable. In fact, I would argue that they're the, the, the most likable modern-day championship team. Who is their equal? Who are the most likable championship teams? Because if you win too many championships, you inherently become unlikable, right? Right. You inherently become unlikable. So I'm talking individual seasons here. This Warriors team, it is tough to find detractors. It is tough to find detractors with this current iteration of the Warriors. And the, I guess the team that would be the most likable prior to these Warriors in any sport, I think might be the Spurs that beat the Heat in 2013. Again, the Tim Duncan, the Manu Ginobili, the Tony Parker, those teams. Those teams. Or that team, I should They're say. That team. Who are the most likable championship teams? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And tweeted us at KLV1063. Who are the most likable championship teams? I'm going to throw one out there as well that is going to make my soul melt, my heart melt. Hurt. I love it. It's and you're going to be shocked by this, I think. Um, tell me how I feel, Stone, about Tom Brady so, in, in 2022. Okay, give me a second, because 
I didn't. I, I think you know I, I respect him, right? But yeah, overall, I mean, I, I, I he, you can't sleep because of him. I mean, I understand all of this. He's really he, he lives in your head. There's there's the angel over here on mm-hmm. your right shoulder, and on the left mm-hmm. shoulder, there's Tom Brady. But but so but Patriots, that. Tom Brady, like late Patriots, Tom Brady. Like, I didn't have a. I was not in a good way towards them at right? all. But the 2001 Patriots, when Brady came in as Drew Bledsoe's <laughs> backup, and you had a bunch of above average players beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. I hate to admit this. Great show on because turf. it defies everything that I now currently yes, believe in. But that 2001 Patriots team was really likable. Even with Bill Belichick. That was before Bill Belichick was filming practices and cheating and uh, just being an overall uh, skis bag. And it was at the same time that Brady was still baby-faced, right? And we didn't know everything about him, and he knew nothing about the world. Right, So, right. quote-unquote. So, it was before, like, we give him all the benefits of the It was before doubt. he started getting everything uh, that fell his way. Was, uh, the dimples. Uh, was the, 2001 before Giselle? Yes, that was before Giselle. That was actually before, uh, and I got in trouble identifying the actress that he yes, was you with. Yes, uh, <laughs> Was it Angie Harmon? I just want to make sure I've got this. I'm going to get called out on this. But uh, he had the child left her for Giselle. Tom won't tell you about that. But um, I, I definitely thought that 2001 Patriots team was likable. Now, can I hit the Uno reverse card on you? Because I, I didn't know where you were going there. But mine is related to the Patriots as well. And I'm going to steal it from social media. I saw it on one of your uh, reply threads earlier this morning. But the 27, 2017 Philadelphia Eagles. Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Now, if it was Carson Wentz, wouldn't be as likable. Nick Foles made it likable. Correct. Yeah. So for this guy to come in and play one game, one mm-hmm. game. I mean, I know he, he, but just that that game is what we remember. Nobody remembers the two or three right. leading and up to it. And that's the thing. Like, I don't know if the Eagles were likable during that season, but that Super Bowl, the way they won that Super Bowl, Doug Peterson, you kind of like him because yeah. you know you can go to the keys with him. Uh, you know, take off your shirt, kick off, uh, kick up your feet, and, yes. uh, and and get that that leather skin with them, right? No doubt about yeah, it. The, he's that guy. That that was the Meek Mill era as well. Uh-huh. That's when we kind of like just found ourselves in that yeah. as far as Zach like Ertz, the, right? You like all that of the Zach Ertz stuff? Yeah, that Julie the, was hanging around, and, and yeah, the backup stole it from Tom Brady. Yeah. down the stretch yeah. in the fourth quarter. The Eagles, especially in that Super Bowl, inherently likable. Yeah, inherently likable, which is stunning to say for a team. That has a fan base like the Eagles do. <laughs> and I will admit, they were likable. Who's the most likable championship team? The Warriors are in the great pantheon of likable championship teams. The 2013 Spurs, likable championship team. The Eagles team that beat the Patriots, yeah, that's likable. And I'll even go back. I, I mean, again, the 2001 Patriots had Popeye Jones playing significant time for them, and they won a Super Bowl. How can you not like that? Now they became hateable and quickly hateable after that but the 2001 team was likable 888-760-3776 888-760-3776 on twitter at klv1063 who's the most likable championship team uh to you most likable championship team let's start in jupiter with scott who's on ken levick alive what's up scott hey ken welcome back i hope you had a nice vacation thank you i did i appreciate it brother I'm going to go Homer here, but I got to tell you that D Wade and Shaq, 2006 uh, that heat. combo for me. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, 2006 heat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that for me, I think, was one of my, my favorite uh, teams. Uh, Championship. And, and, and Zoe got his title. And uh, you yep. had Jason Williams on that team, and you just felt good about it. And I think part of what plays into that, and I got a couple of replies on social media, Scott, uh, 2006 Heat, I think part of it was there was such disappointment the way the previous season ended, and everybody banded yep. together, and you had Riley, who you knew was going to, once he took over within that season, and things started to get rolling, they were a cohesive bunch, and that's really, truly where that Heat culture chatter started was that season and that sort of defined the rest of the way what we know the heat has now but you're right such an inherently likable team but even go back to 2004 in D Wade's first season that playoff year that was a really likable team and they won a playoff series and that was an incredible achievement yeah lots of fun good times Appreciate you, Scott. Thank you, brother. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Uh, let's go to Boynton 
And that is where we find Ernesto. Oh, no, nope, we lost Ernesto. Ernesto will uh, will get back to us. Uh, 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Uh, so the Warriors last night win the title, and uh, Clay Thompson, I thought, was funny last night as well. And I actually feel best, maybe, for Clay Thompson. Anytime you're going back-to-back Achilles, anytime that you suffer that injury once, let alone twice, you don't know what you're getting. Things look dire for Clay, and he was not good in this series, at least by like championship previous Clay Thompson standards. But to see him get a ring was really cool. I'm surprised you're you're taking that angle because he lost me in this series. I mean, I, to be honest, and I'm not going to go out and say uh, somebody older than me or a grown man has a, a bad attitude, right? I don't have that that right to even say that. But his attitude was bad. He shot five for twenty last night, like. No shot he took in this entire series that I think it was going in. Not one time did I get excited for Clay, like how spicy he was and how smart Alec he was, and all the press conferences. I, I I thought it was odd. It's like be like take the humble route, like the way like you're not that guy right now. It, to be honest, watching him play is odd for me because he's the fourth best player on that team right now. He's the fourth best player on the court. Okay. When Wiggins and Jordan Poole are on the court, I would put him behind Draymond as like impactful on the team. Like it's just odd. I, I, I'm not getting good vibes from him. I, I just don't respect what he did out there in this entire series. You know what vibes I'm getting from him this morning? Ring vibes. No, I mean no doubt. I mean middle finger. Like I'm back. Like I did this. I came back from what I came back from. Yeah, I get it. But it, like he, he hasn't taken the humble route, which is odd from somebody who's not doing anything on the court. If I am Clay and I came back from double Achilles, even if I'm not a basketball player. I came and sat down in this chair and did this show every day after suffering back-to-back Achilles injuries and being laid up for the better part of, of over a year. I'd come in here cocky as well every single day. It doesn't even happen to me, and I come in here cocky every single day for no reason. But I would definitely be like, you know what? I overcame that. Bleep all of you. Bleep yeah, all of I you. mean, I hear you loud and clear. But it doesn't think- matter if he's the fourth best player on this team. The fourth best player gets a ring. Four- He's still part of the core. Yeah, I mean, any of them get a ring. Anybody in, in the entire building. James right? Wiseman didn't play a single solitary minute. He's got a ring. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it. I don't even think Iggy. It, when Iggy got on the court and stole the Iggy's ball Iggy's UD, ref, though. Iggy's UD. Iggy's UD. He's the Warriors UD. Yes, sir. And he even credited on Draymond Green's podcast uh, last night that he learned from being a part of Heat culture that he could still go to the Warriors and contribute in a way that he didn't previously. Awesome stuff. See. See, people want to make fun of heat culture outside of the heat. It's a real damn thing. It is. And we can't preach it, and we can't impress upon you enough that it's a real thing. Ernesto in Boynton on Ken LeVick Alive. Hi, Ernesto. Uh, good good afternoon, and thanks for taking my call. But now, I'll vouch for that heat culture. Yes, I'll, sir. I'm living among amongst amongst you guys and yeah it's real you guys are it's true the heat culture is for real um no in terms of yeah i, I yeah clay, uh, clay thompson yeah you're right you're right stone he he gave me this strange vibe of he's still talking smack but you didn't do jack how yeah. can you talk can you talk smack we didn't you, you didn't do jack he didn't do jack in this playoff but he was talking smack like if he was like if he, like if he was the one that won the game and scored thirty five. No, man. Come I hear on. you. I hear you. I mean, he, he, he wasn't. He wasn't all at all. And you know, and Dr- Draymond. At least he, he had a closeout game because I was kind of suspect on Draymond talking all that smack about, you know, how to play people and stuff like that on his podcast and not come out and do it on the court. And I, at least it all came into fruition. At least in Game Six. But I thought. I thought. Uh, Oh damn it! And I did, I did come up short on the, uh, on the shot, right? On the, uh, um, what was that stone that we were going for? I was going for nine, right? I was going for nine shots. Is that correct? Nine, you got nine, it right on was six. it nine threes for Steph? Yeah, nine threes. How, how, how many did he hit last night? It was he had six, six, six. yeah, six damn. of ten. I had, I, I had seven that yeah. day. I said seven. Yeah, so it's uh, you know. They, they had to close it out. That's champion, championship breed right there. That's that's pedigree. You can't. They were going to close that out. And, and like we said, Boston is a bunch of wussies. You man. guys, floppers, man. Defensive player of what? I don't. Of freaking nothing, dude. Joe, that was a joke. <laughs> I'm that telling is just you. so true, man. Ken, I'm Ken telling that was you. so true on that. Yeah. Defensive player of what? Yep. You're a wuss, right. bro. It, it, You're such a wuss. You've. 
He's flopped. He kept on looking for calls. I know. I know. You know what, dude? In all seriousness, you, you, you know, they're breaking up that team. Oh, now, and all of a sudden, Ken, he wasn't. And, and that's another thing, Ken. Where was this talk about quarters, man? Oh, I know. Where did it that happen? disappeared. That, that yeah, disappeared where did real it go? Quick. Yeah, I know. Go I know. real quick. That was gone, Apparently, man. Where is, the, where is the topic of quarters? Apparently, we're only we're only counting uh, quarter championships when the Heat are involved. Appreciate the call, Ernesto. Um, how many times in the postseason did we hear Ime Adoka, the head coach of the Celtics, either in a sideline interview or after a game, talk about, oh, I need to get my guys focused, need to have them keep playing so they aren't talking to the officials. Is he an AAU coach? Yeah. I've never seen anything like this in the NBA. Uh, a team so... and I, I get it. The officiating in the NBA is flat out trash, like compost, like has been sitting outside in a plastic container for, for three weeks and is, and is like steaming and disgusting and awful. I get it. Officiating in the NBA is bad, but I have not had a team that has had to address so many players that are so distracted by the officiating like the Celtics are. I mean, Ime Adoka, you would think he's an AAU coach. Jason Tatum, Anytime he takes a terrible circus shot like he did last night, he just stands in the backcourt and complains to the official and throws his hand in the air instead of getting his ass back to try and affect play like an, oh, I don't know, Jimmy Butler would. I don't know. Just a name drop. I don't know. The guy who should have been the Eastern Conference Finals MVP, but nobody except one, Tim Bontemps, had the guts to actually vote him as the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Again, just saying. Most likable championship team. Who's the most likable championship team? The Warriors can make a case. Spurs 2013, they make a case. We've had the Eagles, the Eagles team to beat the Patriots. It hurts my nether regions to admit it, that the 2001 Patriots are probably in this discussion. The most likable championship team. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And the Twitter is open. At KLV. 1063. Another likable championship team, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. 22 years, 22 years, they have been able to help guide you to your dream job in sports. An MBA in sport management at Florida Atlantic makes you super valuable. The professors are in the sports industry teaching you firsthand knowledge, letting you know what you need to know and how you can apply it when you get into the sports industry, when you show off that big, shiny, new MBA in sport management from FAU and put it right on that resume. The FAU MBA sport management program, get into fall semester classes on campus in Boca or online. The FAU MBA sport management program. Ken, how do I find out more? Well, here you go. FAU.edu slash MBA sport fau.edu slash mba sport the most likable championship team who is your most likable championship team 888-760-3776 888-760-3776 also when we return which player for better or worse changed how we view them after these nba finals he's stone the banner friday night lights i'm ken levick i'm live on espn 106.3 <laughs> From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. Presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. Hey Stone, what uh what are you getting your dad for Father's Day? God, don't do me like that, because I haven't even thought yet. Uh-huh. But you know where, but you know where we'll be though. Where? Salt Life, bruh. You know oh where? yeah, you're gonna go Salt Life? Yeah, you know it. That's what Pops wants. All right. Well, yeah, we I respect that. Banging some Kid Rock out there on the sandbar. All right. All right. Normal all Sunday right. for the hey, boys. Kid Rock, salt water, salt life. Beer. That's a Father's Day. Beer. Damn, bruise. Damn do you, right. Do you call it beer or bruise? Call bruise. it a Bronson. <laughs> God. Oh, I love the Levanowitz <laughs> family. Unbelievable. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. I still, the Warriors are legitimately, they are the basketball equivalent of that cute, cute puppy. I mean, they are so damned adorable. How can you not love them? And then they turn it on. It, like, here's the thing. You get distracted by how likable they are, and the next thing you know, they're banging a 21-0 run in your face. 
and Steph is just lighting you up. The play that broke the Celtics back, it was so perfect. So perfect. Fourth quarter, inbound. Steph comes off a screen where Marcus Smart feels just a little bit of contact and just throws himself to the floor. He's on his hands and knees as Steph pops it from the wing, drills it, puts his his hands to his face as it's sleepy time. Marcus Smart, I don't know. Like that was that was this whole series other than game 1 where he popped a couple of late threes for the win. That was I think the best word to describe it, an embarrassing showing in this series for Marcus Smart. But what about the first quarter last night when he did get three flop calls? Like, he got the calls, and he put he, Steph had two, and Clay had two, like, ten minutes left in the second quarter. So, like, doing his job, or at least that's what he goes out there to do, he is that guy, so but he was he, getting it done. He has no feel for when the officials have stopped calling it. <laughs> that's true. And in pivotal moments, the fact, it, it says a lot about him. It says a lot about Marcus Smart. That in the most pivotal moments, he prefers to go the flop, look for a whistle route, as opposed to the move my feet and defend as the defensive player of the year route. I I don't know the guy, and he has been a really good player. <laughs> but to me, to me, who watches a lot of basketball, I'm around basketball an awful lot for a career, that's soft. So you, soft. so you say soft, and me and the basketball savant yesterday on the home team, Dean Thomas. Oh, he, man, what did, what did Dean have to say about he, it? He said, Stone, I feel like this Boston Celtics team doesn't have that killer instinct. And I went, hmm, you, know, uh, you, 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 you well, may be right. Dean's a coach. Dean's a coach. And so, if you are a coach in one thing, chances are, at least mentally, you know the makeup of what makes a champion in the other sports. 100%. And I said, how can you say that? What's making you say that? And he said that. He said, coaching people, you can tell at certain moments their body language and stuff. And he's like, I don't think Boston has that. And I said, Dean, it's funny you say that because the turnovers, if you're asking me why Boston doesn't have a chance and why the Warriors will win this title, it's turnovers. I was like, Dean, watch out for these turnovers because late in the game, they will fold, I think, and they don't have that killer instinct. What is it, 23 turnovers last mm-hmm. night? They're 1-8 and eight in this postseason. That's what the Celtics when, do. They turn the ball over. It's what they do. And I was like, Dean, if you, don't, if you don't know the X's and O's, watch how these guys dribble. It'll stand out to you. You got Jalen Brown almost tearing his Achilles. Can't dribble the ball. Jason Tatum <laughs> just turning it over. Like it, it, it was odd. Like They looked like little kids last night. They looked like young guys. They're AAU team. It's going to have to be one hell of an effort for somebody to match Jason Tatum's turnover performance from the postseason. He has the most turnovers of any player in the history of the NBA playoffs. Over 100. Yeah. I mean, the only way to break Jason Tatum's turnover record, I think, moving forward, is going to be if a player at least five times a game, and they have to go through the finals, at least five times a game just picks up the ball, turns, and punts it into the crowd. Like That's the only way that anybody's ever going to beat Jason Tatum's turnover record. Did you see the My list? God. Did you see the top five postseason turnover list, though? Like You would think it would be bad. It was one, Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. two, LeBron James, right, right. three, Dirk Nowinski, four, yeah. Dwayne Wade, and I think five was like Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. So it was like just, just really weird but, to see that list. Like, good company. But it's guys who have the ball in their hands right? a lot. Right. And it also matters if you're going to turn the ball over, you've also then got to make up for it by scoring. In an elimination game, turning it over the amount that Jason Tatum does Five and mustering only 13 points, that ain't it. Dwayne Wade had 90 turnovers in the 2006 playoffs. But you know what he did in the finals? Averaged 34.9 points per game. There you go right there. There you go right there. The most likable championship team to you. Your recollection, who's the most likable championship team? Is it these Warriors? Who is it if it's not? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And on Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. Let's go out to Larry on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, Larry? Hey, Ken. Love the show, as always. Um, it was, this was a real tough one. Uh, there was three teams all in the early 80s. Roly Massimino and the Villanova Wildcats, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Valvano and the NC Wolfpack. Yep. But I think the number one, I'd have to go with the U.S. Olympic team ice hockey in 1980. All those college kids, you had to fall in love with them. That's good stuff, Larry. That's really good. And we're going back a little ways. Of course, Villanova 
I mean, that that Roley team, man, 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 I was thinking about him the other day. Do I do I miss Coach Massimino? But uh, that 86 Villanova team, for sure, you've got Jimmy V running around the court, chicken his head cut off after the tip-in win over Houston. Absolutely, that's perfect. And yeah, Mike Urizioni and the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. Crazy likable because... We love, obviously, the underdog, and we love the out-of-nowhere success, and we love beating communism and the Russians and Rocky Four and that entire thing, and that's what that was. That's what that was. That's good. Those are good, good additions to our list. Those are great additions. Three for three, and Larry actually called back, and he's like, hey, Ken keeps getting Tom Brady's ex-wife name wrong. I know, I know. It's All, right. In- All right, so here's what we have to do, because Larry, Larry's right. Um, and I appreciate Larry being the ombudsman, and <laughs> and Stone's mom isn't happy with She's me. She's not. And I apologize for this. Um, much like before, when I talked about Tom Brady and uh, the the child he had, and then the actress that he left, who he had the child with, but nobody talks about it because <laughs> then Giselle swooped in, and we all got distracted by her sheer beauty. Mm. I keep, for whatever reason, wanting to identify that actress who birthed Tom Brady's love child, is Angie Harmon. It's not Angie Harmon. (laughs) It's Bridget Moynihan. This is the second time I've done it in a four-month span. So, again, like I did last time, I'd like to formally apologize to A, Larry, B, Stone's mother, and C, the family of Angie Harmon for the pain I have caused in misidentifying the mother of Tom Brady's love child. I'll reach out to her, see if we can get her on the show. Which one? Bridget Moynihan or Angie Harmon? Angie Harmon. Okay. So you can apologize the right way. Okay. All right. To, to her voice? Yes. Voice to voice? Okay. <laughs> Why do I keep doing that? Do they even look up real quick on Google if they look alike? I think you might have a Angie thing for Harmon, Angie Harmon. No, I think Angie Harmon's Jason Seahorn. And that's where I keep getting the former Giants corner that he proposed to her on The Tonight Show. And so that's why I think... That I'm thinking football player, and I'm thinking good-looking football player, an actress uh, spouse or partner, and that's why I keep screwing up Angie Harmon and Bridget Moynihan. But Angie, if you're listening, my bad. 888-760-3776, most likable championship team. 888-760-3776. Uh, Angie Harmon and Bridget Moynihan do have a fleeting resemblance. They kind of do. They kind of do. So I'll still apologize, but honest mistake on my part. I'm only one man. I have to remember a lot of things. I'm a sports talk radio host. And they're, okay? and they're both hot. Um, yes, that is that is factual. I don't think it matters in this conversation, Stone. Stop being such a male chauvinist. <laughs> Leo is in Riviera Beach. Leo is on Ken Levick Alive. What's up, Leo? Hey, Ken. Thanks for taking my call. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. I would just have to say that I thought it was actually Kate Beckinsale. So, you know what I'm saying? We're Kate all Beckin- wrong. Kate I mean- Beckinsale absolutely <laughs> looks like Angie Harmon. Kate Beckinsale absolutely looks like Br- uh, Bridget Moynihan. I do believe that Kate Beckinsale briefly dated Pete Davidson a couple of months ago. That's all I remember. Yeah, I mean, he's dated everybody. Um, which is still the, the uh, and I can't hate on the guy because it's still the biggest coup in the world. I don't get it. But I appreciate it. But you're right, Leo. They they all look similar. <laughs> yes, and uh, but as far as the most likable team, I really like Larry's pick because you know they're being amateurs going to go up against the the scary Russians. But I'm going to go with. Uh, I know Joe and Jupiter is going to love this, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys in the '90s. I love seeing them win. They were so happy. Aikman, Irvin, the yeah. triplets. You know, Emmitt Smith. That. I mean, I was only like seven, eight when they were going up. So but I they made really an impression on you. Yet. Yeah, they made an impression. Yeah, they on made you. a huge impression. They looked so happy and like yeah. they were like just. I just remember that. And then they had those special uniforms where they had the stars on the side, you know, the throwback. Sure. And it just was cool. I thought it was just like the coolest thing. But I really think Jason Tatum. We need to we need to take a look at Jason Tatum. Is he really a first team All NBA player? I know. Jalen Brown outperformed him in the whole series. Jalen Brown showed up for the whole series and was the real deal Holyfield. And Jason Tatum was turning the ball over and going three for fourteen in closeout games. Well, I th- so I don't really think. I think it's fair that he was first team All NBA. But what I will say about Jason Tatum is this 
if he's going to be a team or going to be part of a team where he's expected to be the number one on a championship side, this was not a good start. This was red flag for the Celtics if I'm reviewing the series today. I don't think a number one has had a number one scoring option has had a worse series. No. I'm trying to think back of all the series, like, and even on the teams that got swept, at least that star would still get off. I mean, I don't know. He still averaged you know, 23, seven and seven throughout the entire series. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's much worse than that. No, I don't know Perhaps. about much worse than that. And what, what, what did he shoot? What was his shooting? What was his field goal percentage? In so, the series? so before this game, I know Andrew Wiggins was holding him to 35% from the field. I mean, and, that's not good enough. Andrew Wiggins did a damn good job last yeah, night. That's not good enough. If you're, and he's got it. You've got to create too. If you're Jason Tatum, you've got to generate like Jimmy did in the playoffs. You've got to generate and make people around you better. Jason Tatum didn't do that. Appreciate the call, Leo. I just know that I have, I have questions about Jason Tatum, more questions about Jason Tatum uh, than maybe I ever have you after t- this series. You talked about Ime Adoka in being like a, an AAU sense, an AAU coach in a lot of a lot of the ways. In fourth quarter, or let alone the second half, Tatum scored zero. All of his possessions were isolation basketball. Like yeah. he wasn't coming off screens. He there wasn't were no coming sets. off pick and rolls. There, there was, was nothing. No sets. It was all isolation ball. And it's not hard when Andrew Wiggins is just giving you the business, and then it's just isolation after isolation after isolation. Like they didn't set anything up for him. They just figured, just like I did too, at halftime, thinking he was going to come out and score every single basket he took. It's clear he couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. He he could not. And so I just I don't know what to think about Jason Tatum right now. This was. As unexpected a face planting as as you could have had from the guy on the Celtics. Hey, are you experiencing foot and ankle pain? You need to see an expert in the field? Well, good thing there's Baptist Health Orthopedic Care with a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians and leading-edge treatments and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle joint replacement, spine and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare for more information today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash orthocare. Who looks better or worse in the biggest of ways after these NBA Finals? We'll discuss when we come back. Stone Labanowitz, Friday Night Lights. I'm Ken Levicka. I'm live on a Friday on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levicka Live on ESPN 106.3. Hey, we are presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Visit fau.edu slash MBA sport. Social media at KLV1063. Name a championship team that has been, quote, likable, like the Golden State Warriors 2021-2022. Mike G tweets the Toronto Raptors. Can't hate Kawhi. Yeah, Kawhi, Kyle Lowry, Nick Nurse. It's a pretty likable team. Pretty like who beat who beat the final iteration of the KD Warriors. Absolutely. The hurt really banged up. KD Warriors. We don't give anybody that though. No, we don't. We don't. We 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 didn't make excuses for the Heat. Right. The Heat didn't make excuses for themselves. Well, I've made some excuses for the Heat. The Heat don't make excuses for themselves. The Raptors, Raptors fans, they don't give a bleep how hurt the Warriors were at that parade. Doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. And I think that game seven shot from Kawhi to beat the Sixers was made everybody happy, right? The villainous Joel Embiid and the Sixers team nobody yeah, really likes for sure. Uh, we have Corey who tweets. The Bucks last year. Boo! I don't know. Like Chris Middleton sort of makes me not like that Bucks team. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't love Chris Middleton. Uh, but yeah, I suppose. I suppose they're in that conversation. How could you not like Giannis? And this is what I'll say too about that Bucks team. Giannis. I. It's not like I didn't believe in him, and I liked him winning MVP and all those things. But I didn't know about Giannis being number one on a title team because I had just assumed that we'd never see a number one as a center any longer, at least in our lifetimes in the NBA. But for Giannis to have the injury that he had, then come back 
in no time from what looked like it could have been a playoff ending injury to then willing himself gladiator style punishing defenders and dominating en route to a ring. I mean, I th- that was the ultimate selling point for me with Giannis last year. Can that, I, that was inspiring stuff from Giannis. Can I? Oh, God, I hate that because he kind of just teed me up for something. Can I ask you something? Are you allowed no. to make a Disney movie about yourself in the prime of your career about coming from nothing to something and doing it all? Have you seen the trailer for his new movie? No. It is... It's a Disney movie? Yes, it is. It looks brutal. Really? Brutal. It's a story of him and his three brothers coming from nothing to something. Why do you hate Greek people? (laughs) Whoa! Why are you being anti-Greek? They're great people. (laughs) I'm saying, are you you allowed to pull that move? Because I I, I don't think you are. Um, I haven't seen the trailer. I will will watch the trailer. How is it any different from LeBron making a reboot of a Michael Jordan movie? At least this is an original idea. LeBron, he just ripped off Michael Jordan and had his own movie in an offseason. Don't do that. Okay? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, this is more respectable to me than Space Jam 2, which, by the way, is an abomination. Whoa. Space Jam 2 is one of the worst steaming piles of silver screen crap that has ever been created. Just an awful, 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 awful cinematic experience. There is no way that Giannis's cartoon could be any worse. Uh, it's not. A, there's, there's absolutely no it's way. It's not a cartoon. They're real actors playing the Antetokounmpo brothers. So it's a Disney movie, but it's not animated. No. Oh, I thought you were going to say, it would be worse if it was animated and they were like, I don't know, like armadillos. I have no idea. Um, I mean, it'd be way worse. I have no idea. If, if they were like like animals coming from nothing to something, <laughs> but it was supposed to be represent, representative of the Antetokounmpo brothers. This is fine. This is fine. What do you have against that? I'll show you the trailer. All right, I'll watch the trailer in the break. Um, real quick, too, just uh, I want to get back to social media before we start our Friday finale with, uh, with Jay Mart. He'll have his starting five talking sports cards. We get into that each Friday here on Ken Levicka Live. JGH tweets, the Buccaneers with Tom Brady. Very likable championship team. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... I found respect for Brady, <laughs> but I can't fully embrace them. I'm not doing it. No. Be, no. Hit, we, hit we it again one more time because, yeah, we got to give it a triple shot. You're horrible. Yeah. Not, not, not going there. How about this, though? Just to cap this off, and I think this is a good way to end it. Darren Darst tweets, 2016 Cubs. <laughs> I mean, he did that on purpose. I I will not ever, and I mean ever, and the Cubs could have nine position players who eventually go on to receive sainthood, go to the Vatican, meet the Pope, become saints, write their own Bible book, and I will never, ever, 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 ever consider a Cubs team likable. They could cure cancer. They could find a way to eradicate COVID from the world. They could find a way for us to inhabit and repopulate Mars. And there is no way that I would consider any Cubs team likable. And if anybody else tweets me that, we're talking show, Ben. No Cubs team is a likable team. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Before we go to break, you mentioned Sainthood. What about the 09 Saints? Hurricane Katrina? We hugged them. We love them. That's great. That's great. That's a better jumping off point than the Cubs. Thank you for that. (laughs) Stone Lebanowitz, Friday Night Lights contributing. That's him. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3.